to an international edition of the Bruin Bible. Will Decker, your host, joined by my co-host, Mr. Jamal Madney, international man of mystery out in London town right now. Uh, I've never seen him and Austin Powers in the same room, so it could very well be Mr. Powers I'm speaking to. Madman, talk to the people. How are we doing today? Big news out of camp. Doing well, Rye. Excited to be with you here at the early morning in London. Uh, You know, a little bit of summer vacation going on here and excited to be talking some Bruins football. Never a dull moment in our world, Will. I walk into every pub in London and I ask them to flip on a football game and the English Premier League breaks out. So there's still (laughs) some, some lost in translation here. But fortunately, I have some days before we kick off against Coastal Carolina and... We now have a quarterback, so excited to jump into it with you, brother. Dude, excited it is, and Chip really lined it out today. Ethan Garber is going to be QB1 for the first game of the season against Coastal Carolina this Saturday. Also said Dante Moore and Colin Schley are going to get times. The points that he referenced when it came down to why Ethan Garber's got the start was his experience and what he was able to do throughout fall and spring camp. He was very consistent with driving the ball there. Um, I know we've had our thoughts. I was kind of more Garbers. You were more more to start. And not to say more can't win back this job. I think this is more, in my opinion, a position of just how good Coastal Carolina is, and he wants to throw out a veteran starter, you know, for that game. Talk to me about your opinion on the decision of Garbers going uh, as QB1 and what this means for Moore and Schlieff. Thriller, I think it's a it's a really strong move here. I know over the course of the last several months, you were leaning a little bit more Garbers. I was leaning a little bit more. I think both of us agreed, though, that either guy would be a very viable QB1 from day one. I think ultimately, though, where Chip made this decision, I think came down to three points. Number one, I think it comes down to, as you mentioned, Will, just the experience factor with Garbers and just the seamlessness and the continuity that he felt with the offense. And we saw that in spring ball. We saw in the scripted environments, Garbers being significantly better than all of the other quarterback options. It was in the unscripted environments where we saw the likes of Adante Moore really show off his athleticism and his poise. And so the question became, How close can that gap close in terms of knowledge? Apparently, not quite enough where Garbers is able to hold off. Secondly, to me, Thriller, this is also a testament to Chip Kelly's belief in trust and building relationships and loyalty over time. We saw that over the course of DTR's career. It's staggering. Here we are in in Chip's tenure, and this is only the second starting quarterback that he's named in his tenure it speaks to how much he values loyalty and continuity and garbers being in this system the last several years and also paying his dues i think is a real testament to garbers getting this ultimate selection i also think factoring this in will 
it's the smarter move from a team standpoint to sort of minimize the number of transactions and keep everybody engaged. Because if you start with Garbers, there's really no hard feelings from a Moore perspective or from a Schlee perspective when you look at that rationale. And all three guys now are going to come in really engaged to try and get to that starting spot at some point this season. If you flip the script the other way, Will, and you start Gar you start more, okay, now you're in a position where Garbers is probably going to be disengaged at the start of the season and probably looking to transfer right away. And then if more, for whatever reason, first three, four games doesn't play to expectation and you have to make another switch and switch back, now you're dealing with a quarterback room that's really unhappy with you on all sides. But if you start with Garbers and if he plays successful over 12 games, terrific. If you have to make a switch at some point, it's still very seamless in terms of the decision making and you're going to have all the guys, all the guys engaged. And then finally, Will, I think it's to your original point. This is also a respect move for Coastal Carolina. I yeah. think a lot of folks aren't realizing the quality of quarterback that UCLA is going to be going up against in Grayson McCall. 78 career touchdowns against only seven interceptions. The guy's 31-7 and seven as a starter, including a victory over a top 10 BYU team two years ago. This guy is fourth year in the system, 30-plus wins and over 75 career touchdowns. UCLA definitely needs to have a signal caller with some experience under his belt to make sure that this game ends up the way we believe it will. Yeah, and this is not like we're playing Alabama State from last year. Like, this is a legitimate, you know, out-of-conference opponent. And Grayson McCall, I mean, there's a case he may go down as the greatest quarterback in the Sun Belt's history after what he was able to compile. You know, I had uh, their play-by-play broadcaster on who's going to be on right after this talking about, you know, the strengths of Coastal Carolina and what they're very good at. And, you know, new offensive coordinator – became head coach and Tim Beck coming out there. So it's going to be a different kind of Grayson McCall than we've seen after their last coach left, but he he just battle tested 31 wins to his name. You know, the 70 touchdowns you mentioned, this is a guy that is time and time again has proven just how much of a talent he is out there. And before he pulled his name back in from the transfer portal, lots of schools were reaching out to Grayson McCall to try to get them to come to their university. So I think that's the biggest point in why Garbers is starting because with the freshmen, especially the initial game, there's going to come freshman mistakes. And this offense, you know, because I do believe UCLA's defense is very talented, but what if they go down 14-0? What if it's 17-0 and you're asking a true freshman to dig himself out of a hole like that? That's just not a great position to put a 18-year-old quarterback now, a freshly turned 18 quarterback, you know, to – figure it out for UCLA so I think for me having Garbers out there for week one you know I think is the right move uh whether that's the case in games five six and seven I don't know if that will be there but keeping him on a leash and you know just allowing Garbers to kind of figure it out because we've seen this guy ball in big time games you know the Utah game 27 of 44 through the air 265 yards two touchdowns they didn't lose that game because of even Garber's performance. They lost it because they couldn't stop Tavian Thomas from running the football. Four touchdowns on the ground, 160 yards rushing. You know, the Oregon drive, even he did throw the interception at the end of the game, but made some very nice plays on fourth down and long, 
to kind of keep UCLA alive at the end of that game. And then we all know about the Sun Bowl this past year led the drive that put UCLA up. Unfortunately, the defense couldn't match that energy on the other side. So Garbers has been in some big games and big moments. I think this is the right call for this type of environment. I'm excited to see Garbers come out. And for the record, I'm excited to see Dante more too. What do you think this means for Well, you know, it's interesting. Before we go to that, I think what's interesting about everything that you said, there was one in particular where obviously we know about Garbers' resume. We've talked about it at a bunch over the, the last couple of years in terms of him being in the system. It's interesting if we opened against North Carolina Central, what would the decision be? With a, with a team that was significantly weaker than UCLA, and to sort of our point about the value that Grayson McCall brings to the table at Coastal Carolina, if it was NC Central, then San Diego State, and then Coastal on the back end, it would be sort of a fascinating thought exercise to see if Chip would make the same decision or feel like he's got a little bit more rope to go with the other guys. I still believe that given the way Chip described his rationale, that he would ultimately start with Garbers. But it's an interesting conversation. I think he leans a, a lot more Garbers because of Coastal as opposed to whether it was NC Central. Yeah, and I think this is very much like a Wally Pip, Lou Gehrig situation because Moore has the talent. If he, if Garbers, for some reason, and I hope he's healthy, I hope everything goes this guy's way, whoever is playing quarterback for UCLA, we hope goes their way. But if he has to go out for like a series or two or something like that, or something goes wrong and Moore comes in and lights it up, it could be that situation where you never get your job back after that. So it's it's a tough situation for whoever's starting right now, just given how deep this quarterback room is. Let's talk about Colin Schley. I was kind of shocked that he was listed with some time, you know, out of all the quarterbacks. I thought it would be just Garbers is going to be QB1, Moore will get some time. The fact that Schley gets some time is very interesting. I think he's the most athletic of the quarterbacks. He's got the strongest arm. And, you know, I was talking to Chris Osgood, the, uh, you know, Bruins uh, reporter online. He does a really good job of all the schematics and everything going on. And we talked about how he would be probably using like a Taysom Hill package where it's red zone. You know, he'd be doing some option stuff, kind of keeping the defense on edge, you know, mixing it up. This is a guy that Chip really, I mean, he had Dorian for that, but I think just throwing these different packages, Chip's a wizard when it comes to the play calling, especially with a running quarterback. This could be very, very dangerous for Colin Schley and out, you know, and the rest of the people out there uh, trying to tackle him down. What do you think about the Colin Schley pick to not only get time, but the packages we may use in this? Well, you know, the Schley one is fascinating. And, you know, Chris Osgood, great guy as part of the brewing ecosystem here. I got to disagree on that take because the reason you have a Taysom Hill type of package is when you're trying to change something up with your existing quarterback system. And you also have a very limited skill set. When you look at Colin Schley, you said it, Will, and you, you, we and I, you and I have sort of seen it up close and personal. He's got the strongest arm of the three. You don't need to bring him into these sort of gadget red zone short yardage situations necessarily because of his ability to run. He's the strongest thrower out of the group. So I think that Schley, the fact that Chip is mentioning Schley, sure, I think we'll see all three guys in different situations. But I think in Chip's mind, all three guys are sort of vying to be truly QB1. And there really isn't this sort of Tebow-esque 
2006 with Chris Leak or a Taysom Hill-esque type of package with BYU here. What's interesting to me is I think both you and I thought Schley was actually fourth out of the four in terms yeah. of the competition. That's why and I'm like confused. And the fact that he's three kind of tells me right now that I think Chip believes that he can coach Schley to what he needs him to be, that the things that Schley has are not coachable. The great arm strength, the superior athleticism, the long strides. I think Chip believes those are the things that I can't really coach at this stage or, or mold at this stage. That, that's sort of God-given. What I can do is take what your existing tool set is and shape it to be in a pro-style offense. And so to me, I think this is Chip sort of acknowledging this guy's actually got the best tools in the toolbox. He's the most raw. We saw him at spring. He was sort of throwing the ball all over the yard. He really needs to learn how to put, put touch on his ball. But the ball's flying out. And the other thing that Shlee has is he's got the longest strides of the three, and he's probably at this stage, even given where Dante Moore is age-wise, probably the most credible runner out of the three when you're talking about option, zone read type of concepts there. So thought it was very interesting that Shlee sort of jumped Justin Martin in my mind, in my mental model, of those three guys being QBs one, two, and three, respectively. Yeah, and that's, you know, the running point is, you know, where I'm thinking, where they could potentially use him in some packages and whatnot. I just thought it was weird that he listed three quarterbacks as once. It was classic chip answer. Yeah, I don't know if it's the best thing for the team. I thought Justin Martin was a better quarterback, you know, in spring ball. And I think that leads me to our next question. What did, What happens to Justin Martin? Because, you know, you look at the depth chart and who's ahead of him now, Schley's got two more years on the depth chart. Um, you know, Ethan Garbers has got two more years, and Dante's got four years ahead of him. It's a tough road to try to climb that back up, and I think we all can agree. I think Dante, this will be Dante's team eventually. So where do you go from here if you're Justin Martin? And just one more point on Schley before I turn it over to you. I think Schley is getting the benefit of the doubt because he has double-digit starts to his name, something that no other quarterback in that room can provide. But let's go – with our guy Justin Martin what do you think about that well I think it's interesting with with Justin Martin I agree with you I think that he looked like the third best quarterback in spring and and leading into fall and at times he even looked sort of top two on any one given play will you and I both recalled we said look on any one given play Justin Martin could even be the best quarterback option there is given the type of play given the type of design and where he is the big element with Martin was consistency. And he didn't quite have the consistency that Garbers or Moore did. And so it, it leaves you sort of in this no man's land where he doesn't have the consistency right now of Garbers and Moore. He doesn't have the toolkit and the upside, at least according to Chip, of a Colin Schley. And so he is lost sort of in no man's land over here. And I think you said it really well, Will. Redshirt Jr. is Garbers. Redshirt Jr. is Schley. You know, true freshman is more. What is going to change a year from now, two years from now, four years from now? If anything, more is going to get even better. He's going to get more comfortable in his body. He's going to become more and more comfortable with sort of who he is and his command of the offense. Garbers is only going to get more experienced over time, not less. So when we talk about the two years he's been in the system, now it's going to be three years in the system, four years in the system. And for a guy like Schley, 
The one knock on him has been, yes, it's double-digit starts at the collegiate level, but not Power 5 being at Kent State. In time, the, the Power 5 game is going to slow down for him. It's not going to speed up for him. It's only going to slow down for him. So when you look at the three guys ahead of Martin right now, all three of those guys are not stagnant. They're going to be growing as well. So you have to grow at a rate that's even greater than all three of those guys to sort of make it in over the next two years. Unfortunately, I think Justin Martin now is in a situation where he has to seriously consider his transfer options and, and has to do that within the first four weeks of the season. I think, Will, he could be a very viable quarterback at Cal, at Stanford, at Washington State, at even Oregon State after DJU. And given the former two really trying to buy into the ACC, I think he's still going to get an opportunity to play really quality power five football. But unfortunately, just given where he is on the depth chart, I think he has to now start thinking about the transfer portal seriously with his family, his friends, and sort of his close advisors. Yeah, it's tough because I root for Justin Martin, man. And I, I definitely had him above Shalee from what we were able to see. So I was kind of expecting him to be the third name if anything kind of came about it. So it's going to be interesting, man. Um, if game five, game six, I want to give you a prediction here. Is Garber still the starting quarterback for UCLA? So, Will, it's, I think it's all going to come down to that Utah game. And that's game four. So the Will Decker, you know, always playing chess while all of us are playing checkers, pick game five and game six very astutely uh, because Utah is, is game four. I think, Will, it's going to come down to that game. Uh, I think if you look at how all three guys are going to look against Coastal, I think Garbers would have to do something sort of in the vein of two or three interceptions in this game to sort of make any sort of a change for Chip going into San Diego State. San Diego State's going to be a tough game on the road, but as long as UCLA is able to pull that out, you have a hard time believing he's going to make a change. And then again, NC Central, the gap in the competition is going to be so wide there that you can't sort of make a credible decision of any sort of a change off of that one game alone. So to me, I think Garber's barring a multi-interception, two, three interception game here, either this opening week or against San Diego State, is going to be the starter going into Utah. And then that game becomes the inflection point. Depending on how Garbers plays there, I think then he stays the starter if he plays well up to that Oregon State game. And then there's sort of another decision all the way then up to the USC game. If he doesn't play well, then I think the game immediately after the Utah game is where you could see a change. I think just given Garbers' disposition, his experience, I think we will see Garbers remain the quarterback past the Utah game and then moving forward into the second half of the season would be my prediction right now. Um, I don't think Garbers is going to be in a position where given just his experience in the offense, it's going to be these first three or four games where he's going to struggle. It may be down the line, it, and it also may be down the line where more finally catches up to him in terms of playbook knowledge. But I think for the first three to four weeks going into that Utah game, I think this is Garbers' team all the way. Man, I like the prediction. Uh, man, what happens to Dante if Garbers just wins the job this year? Because it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, like, you know, this is the NIL instant transfer portal era. You don't have to sit out anymore. You can transfer anywhere you want immediately. I'd keep an eye on Arizona State, if I was being honest, for more, just because Kenny Dillingham, you know, is that I don't want it to come to that, but – if Garbers just wins the job this year, like 
Is Dante just cool sitting on the bench for maybe another year? It's going to be interesting. Thriller, I think it's such a great point, and I think it's going to come down to what it, this looks like at the end of the year. And, and you know, because let's go back to that great Alabama year, 2017, where Jalen Hurts was the starter. Everyone was clamoring for Tua. Everybody wanted Tua. Alabama just kind of kept winning, winning. There was all these grumblings that Tua was going to transfer at the end of the year. And then, lo and behold, national championship game, there's a hole. Saban legendarily sort of makes the swap. The rest is history. They win the natty. Tua ends up having a very decorated career at Alabama. So it's not always where you start in the season. It's going to come down to where you finish in the season. And to me, ultimately, the three checkpoints will are Utah, Oregon State, USC. Who's going to start for those three games? And I think Garber is given that he's the starter now is going to ultimately start in that Utah game. And then from there, the question is going to be who's going to start in that Oregon State game and then who's ultimately going to start in that USC game and then beyond if there's a Pac-12 championship game and a bowl game. If Garber's plays at such a high level where he just he's doesn't relinquish that job at all and he's 30-plus touchdowns, under six, seven interceptions, UCLA's double-digit wins, then I think we have a real conversation on our hands about what Dante Moore does next year. But if there is a dip, if there is a blip at some point this season and Dante jumps in there, then I think, you know, all is well. The other element here too, Will, is, you know, given the fact that he's such a young, true freshman, ultimately, if he believes in that chip relationship and says, hey, maybe I just wasn't ready this year. I came into a situation with a guy two and a half years already in this system. It's going to make me better. It's going to make me stronger. I'm going to come back and vie for the job next year and hopefully get it. If I don't get it, then it becomes a real conversation. So a lot of real interesting nuance here. But I, I still see the report card for UCLA, Will, if you will, as the three key starts. The Utah start, the Oregon State start, the, the USC start. And it falls very nicely first third of the year, midpoint of the year, end of the year. And I think those are going to be three really good checkpoints where this quarterback conversation is going to keep coming up and really be dialed up over those three games. Yeah. And last question to close it out. Percentage chance Shlee wins the starting job. Just leapfrogs more, leapfrogs our guy Garbers. He's QB1. 2.64%. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you amazing. know, just to be, uh, just to have a little bit of fun with it, Will, you know, you never can say never. And the fact of the matter is that Chip even mentioning him is sort of a surprise to most, but this is a this is a one percent to three percent chance that Schley ultimately wins this job. You don't have a guy stay in the program for three plus years, be a redshirt junior, and then have another guy be as decorated as Dante Moore is, and then ultimately the guy from Penn uh, from Kent State with you know twelve career starts beats them both out. I mean that even takes sort of the Ted Lasso narrative to the extreme thriller. So I, I'm going to put it as, you know, one to 3% because in the famous words of Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber, you're telling me there's a chance, but because you can never say never, but this is a two horse race still in my mind. It'd be like an M night Shyamalan ending. <laughs> yeah. Punch league at the starting job. Well, madman enjoy London, bro. We will be talking more after Saturday's game. Stay tuned. We're going to have, 
an interview coming up with Coastal Carolina's very own play-by-play broadcaster. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. Bruin Bible listeners, we've got a special sponsor uh, for today's episode. It is AG1. AG1 has been something that I've really enjoyed using in my spare time. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole-source food nutrients in one scoop that you can use into your water. You stir it up. I use it before my workouts, before I start my day, and it has totally given me the energy I need to do the little things in life, like going to work, getting extra, you know, an extra boost, a second wind, if you will, for a workout before I play pickleball with my friends. Just it puts you in a good spirit of mind and you know you're doing the healthiest possible thing by putting AG1 in your body. Make sure to check us out and get a special deal with the Bruin Bible it's www.drinkag1.com slash Bruin Bible to get the special deal that we provide. Once again, www.drinkag1.com slash Bruin Bible to get that special deal. Now, back to the Bruin Bible. What is up, Bruin Bible listeners? It is Will Decker, your host. It's game week, officially. Uh, this is going to be UCLA Coastal Carolina preview. And I went through the different sources of people we could have on, and Joe Cash on was the guy for us in every facet. Joe Cashon works for Coastal Carolina. He's a play-by-play broadcaster like myself. So I thought he'd be a perfect guy to have on and give all the tidbits away of Coastal Carolina and what they're going to be bringing to the Rose Bowl when taking on the UCLA Bruins. Joe, first and foremost, how are you doing on this fine day? And You're in Conway, South Carolina, is that correct? Actually, I live a couple of hours away, so I do a commute when I do the ball games. Oh, so wow. I'm more closer to the to the, the middle of South Carolina than I am uh, Conway. But I've been doing this 21 years now. This will be year 21, working with a radio broadcast. So I kind of drive back and forth, get a lot of frequent frequent driver miles, as it were. But uh, it's it's been a labor of love, been a lot of fun, and we are certainly looking forward to making our longest road trip in two decades of football here in about a week or so. Well, man, we are so excited to have you guys out at the Rose Bowl. And just looking at the roster and doing my research, you guys have a very formidable team, you know, that's coming over here. The Chanticleers are going to be a team that is very difficult uh, to keep off the field on offense and everything that they provide there. They've got a coaching change coming in there. A lot of great, you know, uh, receivers coming back, defensive players and Joe, I want to start with the coaching change. It really seems like Jamie Chadwell really built this program back up to something that was very respectable and had you guys flirting with 11, 12 wins each and every year up until last year where McCall got hurt. There was rumors of him leaving. He eventually does leave. Uh, how big of a loss is Chadwell? Because looking at what he was able to kind of build at Coastal Carolina, this guy was as successful as anyone maybe in program history for that short stint at Coastal Carolina. We're not going to probably know what exactly that loss is until we get more. Uh, obviously, somewhat into the Tim Beck era, who was hired uh, a day after Jamie Chadwell was announced at Liberty. Jamie did a great job here. I mean, and you'll hear all these coaches, all of our new coaches, talk about the, the culture that he was able to instill and inculcate in Conway when he came in 2017 as the offensive coordinator and assistant head coach. And he was actually the interim that year in 2017. He was kind of you know, the one who guided us as the head coach, you know, into the FBS era. We were an FCS school up until 2016. Our first year at the FBS level was 2017, and he was the interim that year. Joe Moglia 
who had, who had been our coach and, and really kind of helped transition us from FCS to FBS, stepped down after 2018. Jamie took over in 2019. And we had that first year in 2019 when we were really, really close, but not quite there. Four losses by a total of 24 points in a five and seven season. Well, you know, you talk about a game here, a game here, a play here, a snap there, a penalty there, a turnover there. You know, we're a bowl team that year, but it just wasn't meant to be. And then all of a sudden in 2020, in the COVID year, when, you know, some teams decided not to play, some conferences held off for a while, some didn't play at all. You know, Coastal and the Sun Belt, we played, had an 11-win year, won 11 games of the regular season, had that big win over BYU, you know, probably the benchmark win of our history so far. Huge game to win that game. Go 11-1 and that year. And then we back it up with another 11-win season in 2021. So, you know, we had those two great years. And then, like you say, last year, you know, we were off to a 9-1 start. We were rolling. You know, had everything going. Uh, Grayson went down. Obviously, you mentioned him. He went down after the App State game. He, you know, somehow was able to get through that game on a bad leg, bad ankle. You know, willed us to victory that night. Played the next game without him. We won that game. And then we had the awful situation at the University of Virginia where we were supposed to go play. And then you had the, you know, just the, the horrible murder of those three football players. And that was just, yeah. you know, just, just terrible, terrible tragedy. And, of course, you know, they did the right thing. They didn't play anymore that year. We come back for our last two games, you know, the Troy game, the, uh, the, the James Madison game. We still don't have grace. And then by then it was kind of getting around that Jamie was looking to leave town. I mean, that's just – I'll just be honest with you. That's what was going on. And he, he – was looking to get out of there, and of course, eventually, you know, right before the conference championship game, the next week against Troy, it kind of all dropped on the, you know, kind of dropped out there that he was going to leave, and you know, of course, he takes off. Then we get to the bowl, we, you know, we lose both those games. We go to the bowl game, and actually, I thought we were playing well for about a quarter and a half. And you know, Grayson was back by then. He got hurt again on the touchdown run. He came down right on top of his head, and you know, he was seeing stars the rest of the night, so he couldn't go. And you know, we wound up losing that game, and went, you know, we wound up nine and four on the season, but. You know, Jamie did a great job, he and his staff, to, to inculcate a culture of, of winning and toughness and accountability, and loving each other, you know, a, a kind of a family type of atmosphere. And that's what Tim Beck and his staff have really tried to, you know, grow. In, you know, they're, they're trying to take that to the next level, the family kind of thing is, is, one, is one of the hashtags of this program. So I, not gonna, it's going to be hard to tell, really, you know, the, how, how big of an impact it is. But I, I really like Coach Beck. I like the staff. I like the Power Five experience they they brought to the table so far. And their first big test is going to be on one of the game's biggest stages, you know, one of the most historic places to play a college football game in America. Yeah. And Tim Beck, you know, for those unfamiliar now, taking over as the head coach as Chadwell has moved on to University of Liberty. This guy has been in some big-time programs, but he has not been the head man in charge. You know, he was the running backs coach at Nebraska, co-offensive coordinator at Ohio State, co-offensive coordinator at University of Texas. Now, with the likes of a Coastal Carolina, what is the vibe in the building with Tim Beck? Is he, you know, impressing the longtime Coastal Carolina fan base in this early, uh, you know, uh, tenure before we've even seen him play a game? What has stood out to you about Tim Beck, the new coach for Coastal Carolina? Yeah, he came in knowing what it was like. He came in knowing that this was a winning team, and he didn't come in right away and, you know, telling the players, okay, this is how it's going to be. I mean, he kind of came, that's, you know, as he said in a, in a, in a newspaper article around here, he, he kind of read the room. He kind of knew the feeling of the guys, and, you know, everybody was kind of shook up a little bit, I think, over what had happened. And so he kind of read the room and kind of eased on into it. 
And 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 I think he won, I, I know that he's won that locker room in terms of the players, you know, in terms of what the what the vibe is in there. And I think the first big testament of that was him keeping Grayson McCall in town. You know, Grayson McCall had every reason yeah. to leave, and and he entered the portal. Sure enough, not long after Coach Chadwell left, and not long, you know, after the bowl game and whatnot. I mean, he was in the portal, and it was like, well, I, actually, before the bowl game, he was in there. It was kind of like this is going to be. You know the, the you know the, the last stand for him, but he was able he was able to come in and kind of ease his way into it, and then he starts his recruiting pitch. He starts his sell as to what his vision of the program could be, and that was the first big sign that hey, you know, Coach Beck's kind of got these guys. You know, I think he's got their attention. I think he's got their ear a little bit. They're paying attention to what he's saying. He, they're paying attention to kind of where this program is and where it could go with him and this staff coming on board for the 2023 season and beyond. So I, I think there are a lot of people, not only inside that locker room, but outside excited about him. I mean, we've had him on our podcast, the strut, a few, uh, you know, we've had him on, you know, right you know, not long after he took the job and, and he was very impressive. And I, of course, I've talked to him a, a num numerous times since he's taken the job. And I, I'm, I'm really excited to see kind of what his vision, kind of what his, you know, philosophy, how all that's going to play out, you know, when we start this thing. Yeah, and Tim Beck with the world at his fingertips at Coastal Carolina. It helps when you bring back a quarterback like Grayson McCall. And this guy is something special to UCLA fans that may not know about him. This guy has won 30-plus games in his career as a starter. Uh, I think he has, what is it, 78 touchdowns to eight interceptions career-wise as a 70% yep. passer. This guy can absolutely spin the rock, and he's going to be – you know, a top four to five round NFL draft pick next year could be even higher if he continues to build upon his stock. And, you know, looking at some of these schools that wanted him to come from Coastal Carolina ended up staying. Talk to me about what makes this guy special, because I've seen the highlights. I've seen the things, but you behind the scenes, I want to know what makes Grayson McCall an absolute baller on the football field, Joe. He's so tough, Will. I mean, he's just tough, and he's a competitor, and he wants to win. He's going to do whatever it takes to win. I mean, he gets knocked down, he gets back up. I mean, uh, an example on the field is one I mentioned a few minutes ago, the App State game last year. and He gets yeah. rolled up you know, early in the third quarter, goes limping off the field, and we're kind of looking at each other like, man, I didn't look good at all. But he's able to come back out and will his way through the second half of that game. And we needed that because that game got tight. I mean, we had a nice lead in that thing. App State closed the gap, and, you know, Grayson makes a couple of plays down the stretch, and he's able to will us to victory. Just that toughness, that competitiveness, that leadership, you know, that he has shown ever since he started his first game in 2020 out at Kansas. I mean, it's just been amazing to watch. You mentioned 78 touchdowns against eight interceptions. I mean, what a phenomenal ratio. I mean, who That's does that? I mean, you don't even do that in Madden for Pete's sake. I mean, the guy's <laughs> thrown for over 8,000 yards in three years. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, he protects the ball. And it will be interesting to see. Now, this is where, you know, the, the things change from what Jamie Chadwell did to what Tim Beck wants to do with this offense. How, how are things going to work? I mean, if anybody's familiar with what we've run offensively the last you know, five, six years, the spread option kind of stuff, a lot of triple option concepts. You're not going to see a lot of that with Travis Trickett as our OC and Tim Beck as our head coach. We're going to do a lot of different kind of things coming up. So it will be interesting to see how he's able to, you know, kind of mesh into what is more, going to be more of a run-style, pro-style offense. But I think he'll be just fine in it. And, you know, I'm so glad to have him for a fourth season. If you have a difference maker taking snaps, you got a chance. And I think we have a chance.
more than a chance. I mean, when you guys are winning double digit games at the division one level, you're doing something right. And yeah. it starts at the top with the quarterback and Grayson McCall. You know, I think the casual fans, you know, the people that know of coastal Carolina, they may have heard of Grayson McCall. They may have, you know, heard his name in the lore of college football going on right now. Um, give us some players that we need to keep an eye out on offense outside of McCall. I know Sam Pinkney, 71 catches last year was a huge part of the offense. Jared Brown, Tyson Mobley, some other guys. And then you got the running back room, CJ Beasley, Reese White coming back for you guys as well. Talk to me about it. Who are some guys that you think will have a chance to have a big game when it comes to playing UCLA? Well, you just mentioned a number of them, and I'll start with Jared Brown. I mean, this guy has just been a phenomenal football player for us. I mean, he caught 49 passes last year for almost 800 yards. I mean, that is wow. some that I mean, that is a phenomenal per catch average right there. Six touchdowns led the team, and all of them were 30 plus yarders. I mean, the guy's got speed to burn. This is a guy that we want in space with the football in his hands, you know, to see if he can make some plays. And we've seen him be able to make a lot of plays, especially last year, you know, when he really kind of burst onto the scene. Sam Pinckney was a great find for us. He came to he came to, uh, to Conway from Georgia State after a great career there, you know, and he had a big season for us last year, led us in receiving with 71 catches and almost 1,000 yards. And so if we need a big catch in the clutch, guys, with hands, you know, got there, grab that football and say, that football's mine. Sam Pinkney's going to be that guy. You mentioned Reese White, got a little bit banged up last year, but fully healthy this season. That running back room for us, uh, I think we're going to run three or four different guys out there. Braden Bennett is a guy that has speed to burn. We want to get the ball in his hands. He's a big play kind of guy. He was hurt a much of last season. He got hurt in preseason, and we didn't see him until November. So we really didn't see Braden Bennett. You want to see him play, go back and watch 2021. In that bowl game that we played in, I mean that 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 youngster can run with a run with a football. And C.J. Beasley, who had the Myrtle Hurdle against Georgia Southern last year, I mean, you know, he he kind of came out of nowhere when we started taking some hits at the running back spot. He had to be the guy, you know, he had to tote that pill and be the, the be the workhorse back there. So I, I think you know you're going to see a, a good dose of C.J. Beasley out there as well. So those are the those are the playmakers I would say. Tyson Mobley's another one that you mentioned too. I mean, he's kind of a guy that flies under the radar, but I expect him to have a big year at that wideout position as well. Yeah, especially with McCall, you know, dishing him the rock out there. Uh, let's talk about the trenches a little bit. Offensive line, Willie Lampkin, kind of the big name offensive lineman, actually transferred to North Carolina last yep. year. Uh, talk to me about how the offensive line is holding up because you could have the best quarterback back there, a record breaker, arguably the best quarterback we've ever seen in the Sun Belt in Grayson McCall. But if he doesn't get enough time, it's really going to affect this football team. How's the O-line uh, going at Coastal Carolina heading to 2023? I, th I think we're going to be a more physical line. I think the, the kind of things that we want to do offensively, I think we're going to be more physical. And I think it's going to start with Will McDonald up front. I mean, he graded out at 85% last year uh, in eight of the 13 games. I mean, so he this kid's a senior. Uh, he played high school ball with Grayson McCall, so that they, they know each other, Aunt, know yeah. each other very well. So, I mean, I, he's kind of the ringleader up there. He, he's a tough guy. Uh, he's not afraid to, to mix it up with somebody. So, you like a Will McDonald up there. Donnell Wilson, tackle for us. You know, he had 20 knockdown blocks last year, graded at 80% at, at in, in three of the ball games last season. Uh, so, he, he's, a, he's another guy. Uh, and then some of these other positions after that are kind of, you know, going to be kind of up for grabs. I mean, you mentioned that Willie Lampkin transferred, and so that center position is going to be a little bit up for grabs. And then we have a, you know, a Zovon Lindsay and a Willie Moyes, these kind of guys. I mean, they they may fit, uh, you know, fit in there somewhere. 
They played a lot last year. Uh, Dylan Luther is another kid who could uh, start for us this season at guard. So, I mean, we're, we're going to be deep, and I think we're going to be a little little tougher, a little stronger up front with this kind of offense that we're running. So, we'll, uh, we'll just have to see. Yeah, and that kind of pivots me to the defensive side of the football now, Joe, where – you know, you guys had your struggles last year, 102 in total defense. UCLA had their struggles as well. I think you guys were in the, the 100 teens when it came to pass yards allowed per game. The secondary really seemed like an issue. Losing some beef on, you know, the defensive line when it comes down to as Clark and Stewart are no longer on campus. But JT Killen, talk to me about this linebacker because he seems like a bright spot, for this defense moving in the right direction. Oh, I love JT. He's a good kid. Loves to fish too. Now he, he doesn't live too far from where I do here in South Carolina. He's a he's a good kid. He played uh, started 13 games for us last year. Led us with 96 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss uh, in his career. He has 130 tackles. So I think he he's going to be the he's going to be the guy that uh, the, the ring leader on defense. He'll get these guys where they need to be lined up, and and uh, he'll he'll be the guy that uh, that leads a defense that, as you just mentioned, really needs to get better. I, I think on that side of the ball, just talking to some of our defensive coaches and kind of watching, you know, having seen a practice or two here in the preseason, we, we've got some bigger bodies over here. You know, we've got some bigger – one of the biggest things that we made a point of doing, I think, in the offseason, if there is such a thing, in the transfer portal season, you know, when guys move and go – they're all over the place, right? And one of the biggest things that we wanted to do was go find some bodies, which I think we did, bigger and stronger bodies and I think we did that and I, and and you know JT's going to be one of those guys that's going to lead some of these newer guys on that side of the ball we have to get better I mean we just were not very good at the end of the year and I think some of that you know again we had some guys go down uh, we had a guy that left for the bowl game who was a real difference maker for us but one of the things we obviously had to do was try to get better on that side of the ball by getting bigger and I think you know, JT will help lead that bunch. Same, Shane Bruce plays right beside him at that other linebacker spot. Mm. Shane's a good player for us. He, you know, played 10 games last year, missed three with injury, had 57 tackles. And he's a he's a tough young man. Had a big game at Marshall last year. So, uh, Shane's going to be in on a lot of plays. Jaquan Griffin, one of our defensive tackles, he came to us from Georgia Tech. He's a big-time player. Mm. You know, he's going he's gonna to mix it up inside. He's going to tie up some blockers in there for us. You know, put some pressure on the quarterback. So he's he's going to be a guy to watch. Had 23 tackles and eight tackles for loss last year. So you know, he's he's a he's one to watch. Uh, Kennedy Roberts, another one, a super senior, had 26 tackles last season. So we we've got some guys that you know that, that we know about. We have some known quantities, but again, you know, we're we have 53 new faces on this roster. So that, there are a lot of kids I know, and then there are a lot that I haven't seen play yet. So it'll it'll be interesting to see. But as you mentioned, and I'll be in 100% agreement with you defense has to get better for coastal yeah and i just feel like this game has shootout written all over it knowing the offensive prowess that chip kelly usually possesses when it comes to ucla's teams and just what grayson mccall can do at the quarterback position an absolute game changer and how he elevates his teammates around him joe what is your prediction for the game at the rose bowl give me a final score what do you think will happen and how both teams will fare throughout the season Oh, well, that's a lot right there, uh, Will. So let me let me say this. I, I kind of agree with you. I think I think there will be a lot of points scored. I mean, one, you know, I'm talking to some of our defensive coaches, it's like you know, obviously we've already started our UCLA scout and having talked to him in the you know in the last couple of days, Chip Kelly, and they've known Chip Kelly, and then the way he you know his, his offensive football teams, they scheme so well. You know, yeah. I mean, they 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 scheme so well. They know where to attack people. It doesn't matter who they have out there. They know where to attack people to move the ball. 
and put the ball in the end zone. I'm going to say 38-35 Coastal on a oh. late touchdown pass from Grayson McCall to Sam Pinkney. I think it's going to go up and down. I think we're going to be you know, we're going to get just good enough on defense to get one of those late stops in this thing. We're going to come out hot. We're going to come out fired up for Tim Beck. Our trip out to you know L.A. to the bright lights out there at Pasadena. We're going to be ready to play 38-35 Coastal, and I think that's going to parlay for us into at least a nine or ten win season. I really believe that. I think that will be a springboard to a great season for Coastal Carolina football. Yeah, I think you guys are well within your rights to do something like that. Uh, Joe, just want to thank you so much for coming on and previewing the game. Uh, don't be a stranger coming out to L.A. Uh, we'll, we'll catch a beer or, you know, give you recommendations at the very least for your times out in Los Angeles, man. So thank you so much for coming on. Will, thanks so much for having me on and looking forward to the trip. We're going to come out there and then hopefully have some fun and pick up a win in the process. Awesome. Bruin Bible, we are officially out.